The safest place I've learned over the years to be is right in the middle of the storm when God is there. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I was having I was having a cup of coffee with a, a friend of mine last night and and my friend made a statement and it was a profound statement that I I wish I could hear from more Christians. And the statement was simply There is no man on this earth that's going to come between me and my Lord. And we can even add to that that there's no thing on this earth. There's no storm. There's no situation. There's no circumstance that's going to bring us between us and God. In your bulletins, you'll find that we have an election coming up. And this is going to be in the bulletin for the next few weeks. In the next couple weeks, we're going to have uh, voter registration guides and different things like that. Say, Pastor, I thought the church... Uh, couldn't do that. No, the church can't tell you who to vote for. Okay, I can't tell you who to vote for. I can't tell you who I'm voting for. Okay, I, that's part of the legal things under the 501c3 uh, IRS statutes. But I am telling you, as a Christian, you need to vote. And you, you need to sit down and you need to vote the Bible. Okay, and I've had people say, well, I can't vote for this person because he is of a religion that Christians call a cult. Well, folks, both of them have that same problem. You can shout Christian all day long, but the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. Okay, so I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you what to vote for. But I am telling you, why don't you look at the Bible and say, God, you know, what do you think? Because ultimately, it's his call, isn't it? So, but I, I do encourage you as a responsible Christian, you know, and, you know, American, you should be voting. But the reality is, a responsible Christian, you should be. Because, you know, we make a difference. Is that, everybody okay with that? So in your bulletins, there's this. You can go to a website. And this, basically, they give you all the sides of everybody. So go check it out and uh, start doing your due diligence and learning, uh, you know, what these people stand for. I've had people tell me, well, pastor, I don't like it. Did you vote? No. Then shut up. (laughs) 
I mean, hey, if, you, if, if we won't make a decision, oh, man, I, you can't say shut up in church. There's a lot of things I say you can't say in church. <laughs> What's that look for, Ari? I can, yeah, okay. So anyway, you, need to, you really need to be informed. You need to go check that out. We have a little video that we're going to start, and uh, this is going to be part of the conclusion of our, our uh, series and our message today. So I guess, you know, there's, there's just music and there's words to read. So go ahead and turn it up and let's do it and we'll, if you have your Bibles, open them to John chapter 16. The safest place I've learned over the years to be is right in the middle of the storm when God is there. You've heard me say this throughout this series that science, NASA and all these different organizations They fly these planes into the eye of the storm. And what they found the very first time they did is that the eye of the storm is full of peace. There is no turbulence. There is no struggle. There is no difficulty in the eye of the storm. And as we started this series, the first thing that I shared with you is that He is the eye of your storm. He's right there in the middle of it with you. I've said it over the years, if, if God took you to it, God will get you through it. We found that God is the strength that we have in the midst of every storm. We found that God is the confidence that we have. Knowing that He hasn't gone any place, He's right there with us. Well, today... I want to help us to understand, though the storms are not going to change, He is our peace. He will be our peace. He has always been. The best thing that you and I can do in the midst of the storm is to stop trying to figure out why the things happened the way they did, but trust that if God allowed you to get there, there's a reason. You're living for God. You're trusting God. You're, 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 you're believing that there's a reason that God has got you there and He is working out what He is working in. A story that I shared probably two-something years ago when we first started this church was about a stewardess that was on an airplane. And she had recently become a Christian. But part of her growing up years, she committed herself to reading the Bible. And she was on the airplane, and she saw a young man sitting in one of the rows, and he had his Bible open, and he was reading it. And she unashamedly walked up to me. She said, you know, that book used to be dead to me. I would read, and I would read, and and, and nothing happened. I, I couldn't understand it. But then one day, something happened. I can't put my finger on it. I can't explain it. But now I can't stop reading. It's like I want to devour the book. It's like it's become alive the young boy answered said ma'am i i know what happened you met the author there's people that travel all over the country to go to book signings just so they can meet the author you know what happens to a book when you meet the person that wrote it it takes on a whole new world Once again, you can't really put your finger on it, but it takes on a whole new life of its own. Why? Because now you can sit there and picture 
this person writing. You can picture the relationship. You can picture the heart poured into her or fill in the blank. He said, once you knew who wrote the book, it took on a whole new life and you met the author. The stewardess was just standing there, tears flowing down her face. She said, yes, that's what happened one day when I was reading it. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. It's never been the same. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that he is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. When we give our lives to Christ, when we meet the author of this wonderful book that is my lifeline and many in this room, we no longer feel like it's hitting us over the head. When we read those hard passages, it doesn't feel like anymore that it's slicing and dicing us. It's where we start receiving it and not resenting it. You see, it's easier today, brothers and sisters, to face the storms, the winds that blow, the days of uncertainty, when we know that the author wrote them in the pages of our life long before we ever knew it. In John 16, the scriptures begin this way. These things have I spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues, yes. The time is coming that whoever kills you will think they do service for God. It continues on to say, and these things they will do because they have not known my Father or me, but these things I have told you that when the time comes, you will remember that I told you them. Stop there for a second. These things I've told you that when the time comes, when the troubles come, when the struggles come, you will remember that I told you before it happened. Let's drop down to the 31st verse. And Jesus said to them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, and yet now is, that you'll be scattered. Every one of you will go to your own thing and leave me all alone. Yet I will not be alone, because my Father will still be with me. And listen, he says it again. He started the chapter in 16 with this, and he ends it. I told you these things before they happened that in me you would have what? Peace. Because in this world, we're going to have problems. But be of good cheer. Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. Let me share this one truth as we get into today's message. Jesus did not die to change man's world. As Christians, we sit back and think, well, why is it going this way? Why is it happening this way? Why, is, why are these things? I mean, come on, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. Jesus didn't die to change man's world. He died to change the world's man. This world's not going to change until the day he comes back. Everything's going to continue, the Bible says, as it was since the beginning. But on that day, he's going to set down a rod of iron 
and says, okay, boys and girls, now it's going to be the way I planned it. Can somebody say amen? In this world, you're going to have struggles, but in me, you're going to have peace. Here's the problem that happens to all Christians. All Christians, we fear what we don't understand. We don't understand why things are happening the way we're ha- they're happening, so we try to figure it all out, and fear comes upon us. There are many misunderstandings in the storms that we face in this life. Ideas that have been misconstrued over the years, many fears that come from things like the unknown. Or the big question that we have to happen to ask is, God, why did this happen? <coughs> I'm a believer that a lot of this stuff happens because, well, I mean, we get caught up in this stuff because we have bad teaching. There's people out there that actually teach that if you are living for God, you're going to prosper in everything you do. Well, the Bible says that I will that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers, as your understanding, as your relationship with me, Jesus said, prospers. Doesn't mean we're going to have everything we ever wanted, but it means in the midst of everything we have, much or little, we can find contentment. Remember the writings of Paul? I have learned to be content. Say that with me. I have learned to be content. See that little word there in the middle, learned? Whether much, whether little. Hebrews 13 says it this way, For it is written, He will never leave us nor forsake us. Paul said, My contentment comes in my relationship with Christ. My contentment comes in knowing the one that first knew me. You see, it's not enough to know what someone else knows, you have to begin to know it yourself. There's a series that we're doing on Wednesday nights, The Case for Christ. And there's, if you've heard the radio, you hear the, the blurb that we put together for that. And you hear the understanding that Jesus took his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi, the most religious place of the known world at that time. And he stood them in front of all of these religious statues and all these religious uh, churches and all these religious images. And he said, who do people say that I am? But then he asked the most intriguing question. And this is the question that you and I have to answer every day of our life. Who do you say that Jesus is? Because that is what's going to get us through every day situation. Storms, difficulties, circumstances, they're always going to blow the most fierce when we do not understand them. But the thing that makes them worse is when they happen and we don't expect them. That's why Jesus over and over in his word said, I told you this stuff was going to happen before it happened. How many love the phrase, I told you so? How many love to give it but hate to receive it? Okay, I just thought I'd throw that out there. The only time that I say I told you so is when it's a good thing. When when something happens and I told the people, this is what God's going to do, blah, 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 and they come up to me later and I say, told you so. But if something bad happens, you shouldn't say I told you so. Okay, so work on that one, okay? Yeah, just don't do that. And so they they, uh, come to this place, and Jesus said, I told you all this stuff was going to happen. 
but do you believe that I am who I said I was? Many say I'm a Christian, and it's not supposed to be like that. Because the ones that hurt me were Christians too. I made this statement last week. Sometimes the most inhospitable place on earth is the church. Which once again Jesus said would be that way. Especially as you see the days approaching. Can someone say amen? But let me take it a step further. It's not supposed to be that way. The pastor that falls because of immorality, because of lying, deception, cheating, stealing, whatever the case is. The leadership that falls into sin. The one that forgot to call you. The one that didn't come by your house. The one that didn't uh, look, look up when they, they didn't know you were sick. I, once again, I, I talk to people all the time. I say, I can't do what I don't know. People go and they go through different stuff. And then I hear later, well, they're, they're offended because you didn't go do something. I say, well, I, I didn't know. There's no nail prints, folks. He is omniscient. I'm not. It means he's all-knowing. I know some of you think I know everything. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you I don't. You don't have to say amen. But I, I, I won't know things sometimes. I mean, God shows me some things, but sometimes I just don't know. That's why I share that in our church, it's all about relationships. You know what you need to do? You need to build relationships with people you don't know. You need to find new people in the church to hang around with. Oh, but I don't like that. Okay. Guess what? I didn't know any of you when you came to this church. But I still hung around you. And now I know almost all of you. I haven't been to everybody's house. I haven't been out to coffee with everybody well pastor how come you haven't been out to coffee because you haven't called me hey if if you're buying i'm flying <laughs> there's nothing i won't do except what i don't know we need to do that with each other we need to build those relationships get out of that little click of yours did i say that in church Hush my mouth. Sometimes we, we just hang out with the same folks. It's good to get some more folks in your little group. Jesus said that in this world there's going to be problems. There's going to be situations. There's going to be circumstances that we don't understand. I remember a sweet little old lady met the pastor at the church door and said, Pastor, your sermons are like the peace of God. His wife was walking right behind him, and she said, Yes, they pass all understanding. <laughs> if you ever want the pastor to stay humble, just have the wife hang around for a while. It'll help him stay on track. John chapter 13, I'm going to give you a little... Four chapters that's going to help you to have peace in your life for the rest of your life. But it's going to cost. It's going to cost something. I'm just going to give a little overview. John chapter 13 talks all about responsibility. Jesus starts the chapter out with washing the disciples' feet. He goes through the chapter, and the Bible says that Judas and Peter both betrayed him. 
And we finally concluded the chapter of John 14, 13 with a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Because this is how you're going to know that they're Christians. This is how you're going to know. In John chapter 14, he goes on and he says, you know, I gave you this responsibility, but I'm going to give you the assurance that you can do this. And he said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. But you can't come through me unless I have my Holy Spirit drawing you. And he said, I'm going to give my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give the comforter. And the Holy Spirit is going to make sure that anything you ask in my name, I will take care of. Verse 15, or chapter 15. He said, once you understand the responsibility and you have the confidence that I'm going to do what I said, he said, I want you to make a commitment. And you can read these four chapters after you leave here today. You can't read them right now. But uh, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. As long as you stay connected to me, everything's going to be cool. How many know that when a storm is blowing and a tree is getting whipped around, those branches that are firmly attached, they just whip with it. They say, hey, baby, we're having a shaking time. But the ones that get blown off and are out there alone, they get all messed up. Jesus said, stay connected to me because you're going to be rejected by the world. Am I making sense today? Stay connected to me because you're going to be rejected by the world. And then in John 16, he said, but understand this one thing. If you'll accept that responsibility, you'll yield in that confidence and make that commitment. I will give you peace. He said, my peace I'll give you. Not the peace that the world gives, but my peace I'll give you. In this world, you're going to have problems, but in me, you're going to have peace because I have overcome the world. Jesus was telling the disciples, even though sometimes it doesn't look like it, just like the song that Jay sang this morning. Sometimes the world sits back and they shake their head. How in the world can you love God when you go through all that you're going through? Because they don't understand that he's going through it with you. But he's standing with you. And you can stand up with all the confidence, all the assurance, all the commitment because you've accepted the responsibility and said, come on, bring the rain because I know God has a reason for it. He's saying greater joy you're going to have knowing that I am with you. Jesus told Thomas over in, 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 in John, Chapter 20, oh, John's a good book. You ought to read it sometime. It's, it's a good book. It tells the most about who he is for us. Romans is a great book. It tells you the most why we need him. And then I tell people, you know, Acts is a great book because Acts tells you what's going to happen when you know him and when you need him, what you can do for him. It kind of just gives you the whole picture. And you want me to go through the rest of the New Testament and tell you how each one of them work? It, they all just kind of work hand in hand. I, I counsel people all the time, and, and I'll, I'll sit down, and I'll take them to a passage, and I'll say, you know, that's, that's, a good chat. that's a good book. You ought to read that book. 
and I'll just keep going. And You know, that's a good book. You ought to read that book. Pretty soon I got 27 or 30 books. I said, you know, those are good books. You ought to read them. And they're all right here in this one book. Because this is how we learn and we grow and we know the one that first loved me. In John chapter 20, he told Thomas, he said, greater are those that believe who have never seen. We know the story. Thomas had just stuck his hand into his side and he saw the nail prints on his hand. The God of peace that passes all understanding. Just quickly, I've got so much in your notes, there's no way for me to even barely get through them. The world is full of sin because of man's rebellion. And ladies and gentlemen, I wish I could tell you it's going to change, but it's not. Man is still rebellious. Look at somebody and say, I, I know he's going to start talking to me now. We're still rebellious. I still want to do some things that I don't need to do. Anybody else? I, I still want to go directions I know I shouldn't go. That's why the Bible tells me to put my flesh under subjection. That's why the Bible tells me that through Christ, through that responsibility, through that assurance that I can make that commitment, and no matter where I'm at, where I've been, He'll get me where I'm going because I can have that confidence and peace. I remember a story about a man that was, took a job and he was painting yellow lines down the center of the highway. He picked up a bucket of paint one day and he got off to a good start. Painting lines. After three days, the foreman started complaining. He said, what is the, I don't understand what's happening here. The first day out, you did a great job. You painted the line for three miles. He said, the second day, you painted the line. It wasn't too bad. You went for two miles. He said, the third day, you were only painted for one miles. What one miles? One mile. The foreman said, well, it looks like I'm going to have to fire you. And the man stood up and said, but sir, it's not my fault. Every day, the paint can got further away from me. Ollie and Olga are driving down the road, and you can tell that, that Ollie's ticked off. Can I say that in church? <laughs> I just did, yeah. Ollie is irritated. Olga says, we're not as close as we used to be. They're driving a pickup truck. How many of you used to drive in the pickup truck, sit right next to your husband? Anybody old enough to remember those days before everything was bucket seats? They used to have bench seats in the front. The honey and the hubby, they could just cuddle up next to each other. <laughs> the man would put his arm around her and be the old cool dude just driving down the road with one hand. You know the story? Of course, the wife's scared to death because he can't drive with two hands, let alone one hand. So he's driving down the road, and all of a sudden, your little smooch comes across. Go ahead. Go ahead. A little smooch. Okay. Good. Hey, we're, we're an animated church. We work it all through. Well, Ollie and Olga's driving down the road, and you can see that Ollie's irritated. Olga's sitting on the other side of the truck. She's saying, 
Ollie, something's happened. We're not as close as we used to be. Now, you got the picture of the bench seat sitting together, all that? Ollie's got his hands clenched on the wheel, and they turn white. And he said, I ain't never moved. Ollie's just where he's been, but Olga's on the other side of the truck now. What am I trying to say, folks? When the storms get unbearable, who moved? God hasn't changed. See, the Bible tells us over in the book of Matthew chapter 11, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If the burden you're bearing is too heavy, you're probably carrying burdens you shouldn't be carrying. You're probably letting people dump things in your cart, on your back, that God didn't make for you. You're carrying all this worry, all this frustration, all this anxiety, all this fear. That God said, hey, I haven't given you that spirit of fear. Am I making sense today, brothers and sisters? You see, with commitment, you've got to come to that place in your life. There is a responsibility that you've got to humble yourself. That you've got to realize people are going to mess you up. But the assurance is, is God's not going to let us go through anything we can't handle. It's all right here in the book. That's the assurance, that's the confidence that the Holy Spirit is with you, that Jesus is walking side by side. I love the story of the footprints in the sand. When you saw two set of footprints, it was great. Lord, we're walking together. But what gives? There's only one pair. And Jesus said, that's okay. When you only saw one set, it's because you couldn't bear it anymore. And I picked up the load for you and put you and the load in my arms. Can somebody say amen? You see, he is the peace. The storm's raging. The struggles are happening. But he said, because you made that commitment to me, you're going to know that peace. Our commitment, commitment is the key to that peace. Most problems begin when we start to try to cut corners. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm reading out of the Living Translation, says, follow the Lord's rules for doing His work or you will be disqualified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, says that in all things, give thanks. You see, the Bible just says simply be grateful, be thankful, be thoughtful, be hopeful, be graceful, and you will have peace. Because peace is simply a matter of trust. Isn't it amazing that everything in God is a matter of trust? Peter chapter 3, starting with the ninth verse, says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in everything you do, acknowledge Him, and He will make sure your path stays straight. John 14 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you what the world gives. He said, because of this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Let me read it out of the New Living Translation. It reads a, a little different, but oh, so wonderfully. I am leaving you with a gift, and that gift is the peace of mind and heart. 
and the peace that I give you, it's not fragile like the peace the world gives. Therefore, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Remember what I told you? Remember what I told you? He always says, I told you this before it happened, that you would know when it happened that it was going to happen. Remember what I told you? I'm going to go away, but don't worry. I'm going to come back. If you really love me, you will be happy for me because now I'm going back to my Father who is greater than me. I have told you these things before they happened. That when they do, you'll know I said it. There was a young lady working for the Marriott Corporation many years ago. And Mr. Marriott was going to come visit the hotel that she worked at. She started asking everybody in the place, what's Mr. Marriott look like? There's no pictures of him anywhere back in that day. I think there is now, but back in that day. And nobody would tell him because nobody had seen him. And the ones that had seen him knew they couldn't tell them. The day came that he was supposed to show up, and the entire staff was a wreck, especially this young lady. She asked every bellboy, have you seen Mr. Marriott? Has anybody seen Mr. Marriott? What's Mr. Marriott wearing? Is Mr. Marriott here yet? You know what she was trying to do? She was trying to figure out who he was, though she could relax a little. Because when she saw him, she could treat him better than maybe she was treating somebody else. The problem was that she didn't understand the bigger picture. Mr. Marriott wasn't coming to teach her how to treat him. Mr. Marriott wouldn't let her know what he looked like because she wanted or he wanted her to treat everybody like they were Mr. Marriott. Jesus didn't come to teach us how to treat God. He came to teach us how to live with everybody else. He didn't come to show us any mystical things of our actions towards God. He wanted us to learn as Christians we need to treat everybody the same way we would treat God. Today, I want to close with these few words. Storms are going to happen. And sadly, they're going to happen from those you love the most also. Like I shared with you the week before last, you, folks, I promise you, I'm going to let you down. And I know it's a horrible promise to make, but it's not because I want to. Just because I'm just like you. I fall short. I mess up. I am going to make mistakes. But in our scripture in John, if you continue in my word, if you stay in it no matter what, what's he say? Then you're my disciples. You're not my disciples just because you come to Victorious Life. You're not my disciples just because you come to some other church. You're not my disciples just because when I'm with you, you're acting good, or when you're in church, you're acting good. What are you doing the rest of the time? Because that's when the storms are going to slap you upside the head. 
That's when they're going to come out and show up in the middle of your life. We'll say, well, why does it happen like that? Because we have a real devil that really hates us, a real world that really rejects us, real people that really are, I know not you, but messed up. They, they really are. And I'm the king of mess up. How many have in this church, be honest, have I ever let you down? Lift your hand. Look at this. Let me encourage you. I'll do it again. Not because I'm trying to, but because I'm human. He's divine. I'm not. He's God. I'm not. You want to have peace? Go ahead and put it back up there. Stay connected to Him. In me. If you continue, you'll be my disciple. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. This is the promise that God makes us. Remain in me, and no storm will take you down. No struggle will overcome you. No difficulty will unsettle you. If you remain in me. Amen? That's the promise. That's the peace. I want you, when you go home today, sometime before tonight, and the reason is I want you to remember this message. Please, will you read those four chapters of John? And read them with the understanding. Lord, you talked about responsibility in John 13. And in the midst of responsibility, two of your closest people deceived you, rejected you, denied you. We know one came back and one didn't. But God, I had the assurance in John 14 that in you I could have peace because you're sending the Holy Spirit. You're sending the Comforter. Yes, you're going away. But the reality is you're leaving your peace with me. And because he's going to be standing right beside me, walking right with me, I'm going to be able to come to you. And anything I ask in your name, you said, you're going to take care of. Put a caveat in there. He's going to take care of his way, not our way. And because of that, I go on to verse 5, chapter 15 and say, God, I'm making an unconditional commitment. No matter what somebody does, I'm not leaving you. No matter what somebody says, I'm not leaving you. No matter who they are. And that always gets me to the 16th chapter. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have problems, but that's okay. I already went through them all. I paid for them all. Hebrews 14, and I'll open the altars after this. The Bible says that we do not have a high priest, or we have a high priest that has passed in the heavens, 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let us therefore hold fast to that commitment, that confession, that profession of our faith. It goes on and says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Every single thing that we have gone through, he said, I've gone through. Yet without sin. He said, therefore, because I've done all of this, because I've made a way in all of this, therefore, you can come boldly to God's throne, the throne of grace, the Bible calls it, and obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Folks, I'm a needy person. I need God a lot. I need God. Do you? Boldly come. Boldly receive. Today, I just want you to look at me. I'm going to open these altars just for a few moments. Maybe today, you're on the verge of just giving up. Giving out and giving in. And you're saying, God, you know, I... I, I I'm really irritated these Christian folks. They're not a very friendly bunch of people. I agree. I is one. I agree. There's sometimes I'll walk through here and I'll just walk right past you. Pastor, you're ignoring me. You didn't even see me. Well, the first part you're wrong, the second part you're right. I didn't see you. But I was standing right in front of you. That's right, but my eyes were focused on something else. Happens all the time. You say, well, Pastor, how do we make it not happen? When I walk by, just say, hey, Pastor, yeah, you'll get me out of that trance. And I'll stop and say hi. It might be for a moment, but I'll stop. Because that's not my intentions. Do that with other people, too. Because I can promise you, nobody's ignoring you. Nobody's trying to be rude. Nobody's trying. We just all get caught up in life. And if it's not one storm blowing us another, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Maybe you're going through something and you're just, you've all but given up. You say, Pastor... I'm not, get, I'm not giving up. I'm getting up. Devil, come on. Bring the rain, baby. Bring the struggles. Bring the circumstances. Bring the frustration. Bring the, come on, devil. You ever did that movie? I can't do it very well, but it looks so good in the movies. I, I don't know how they do it. Mark, you ever did that? I haven't either, but it looks good. When you see it in the movies, it looks really good. So come on. Give it your best. That's what God wants you to do. You know why? When you stand up, all of hell falls down. It has no choice. In this world, you're going to have struggles. But in me, you're going to have peace, Jesus said. Why? Because I have overcome the world. These altars are open. 
Maybe you're going through it. And you just need to reconnect. Say, God, my vine's been plucked a little bit. It's kind of hanging on the branch. I know you're the branch, but I'm the vine. It's kind of getting, or you're the vine, I'm the branch. I'm sorry, I got it backwards. My, my, my branch is a little wobbly. God says, come on, come back to me. I'll get you plugged back in. These altars are open. Say, Pastor, why do I have to go? It's a point of faith, a point of contact, saying, God, I'm reconnecting. I'm reconnecting. Maybe you're here. And as people begin to make their ways to the altar, if that's you, come. It could take a moment. It could take 30 minutes. It could take all day. But maybe you're here and you have walked away. It's time for the prodigal to come home, would you? It's time for the prodigal to come home. Maybe you've never found that relationship that that stewardess found. Maybe you've never met the author. Well, today's the day. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.